God's got some good things for us this morning, and last week I did a part one on a message I called A Product of Words. Today I want to do part two and finish it up. We talked about last week, uh, just a little review, quick review about how words affect our lives, what we say, what we think, how it affects us, and if we look around in our lives and where we're at today, and we can think back of the words we've spoke, things we've heard, and see where we're at in life today. A lot of it depends on the words that we speak. Amen? Well, we're talking about words. Like I said, you know, we, we uh, think about things we've said and things that we've thought and where we're at in life today. Words, they do make a difference. They have influenced our lives in some way or another. You know, it's also important who we hang around, what we listen to, what we read. You know, in, in the world, you know, like at work or wherever, not everyone wants to talk about the Word of God. You know, this world is a, a, negative, it's a negative stream, and if we don't watch ourselves, we can get caught in that stream. And it's easy to get caught in that, in that stream because the world stream just goes downhill. And it's easy just to get in there and float right along. Amen? We'll look at, let's go to Proverbs 18.21. That's our, one of our scriptures we used last week. Proverbs 18.21 says that uh, the death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We're going to look at, let's go to Deuteronomy 30, 19 also. Deuteronomy 30, 19. And it reads, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. But we read in these two scriptures here that, that the power of life and death is in the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. So what we're saying, if we say good things, we're going to be producing good fruit. It'll be sweet. It'll be good to eat. But if we're talking bad things, death, we're going to have bitter fruit. We're going to have bitter things come about in our lives, things that we don't desire. And in Deuteronomy 30, 19, it, the Lord says that I give you a choice. I'm not making you do this. You're not a bunch of robots where you're programmed just to speak my word and do what I ask you to do. But I give you a choice. You can choose life and blessing or death and cursing. So we want to choose life and blessing. Amen? Everybody wants that in their life? Anybody here not want life and blessing? I don't think so, but we all want that. And, you know, we, we can find ourselves, if we don't go God's way, if we don't choose to go his way, we can find ourselves in situations or circumstances that are not always favorable, or we can prolong things or prevent things from changing by not going God's way and not speaking in line with his word. Uh, Proverbs 6, 2, and 3, we're going to look at that. That's where we left off last week, about being snared by the words of our mouth. Proverbs 6, 2, and 3 says that you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. And last week we talked about a snare is like a, a trap. You know, I don't know if any of you are trapped or not, but we, last week described a snare as something that people put out, and an animal runs in there, and it, and it hooks their foot and snares them, and they're caught. And some of these animals, they become so frantic when they get caught in this snare that they have chewed their legs off to get out. And sometimes that's the way we are sometimes. And especially, it shouldn't be that way for Christians, but sometimes we don't necessarily talk in line with the word and speak in line with the word. Sometimes we find ourselves trapped or snared by the words we say. And sometimes it gets to the point where we think there's no way out. You know, you, your own mind tells you there's no way out. And the enemy, he'll try to tell you, there's no way out of this. 
you, you know, you just might as well hang it up and give up. And some people, they have committed suicide and things like that because they think there's no hope, there's no way out. But we see in the Word of God that there is. And, you know, it's the, the things that we say continually that make or break us. It's not necessarily the things that you say just occasionally, but it's something that you say continually all the time. This book I've got at home, it's uh, by Charles Capps. It talks about a woman that uh, every time something happened to her, something went wrong or something, she would say, that burns me up. That just burns me up. Well, she went to the doctors at one time because she had, a, she had a continual fever. Her temperature was up. She had a fever all the time, and the doctors examined her, and they couldn't find anything medically wrong with her. So they got to ask her some questions about what she had been saying, and they found out she'd been saying that every time something happened, Every time something didn't go her way, she would say, that just burns me up. Well, they asked her to quit saying that for two or three months. And she did. And as she did quit saying that, her temperature went down. Now, you know, the doctors aren't giving any kind of medical reason for that. But they're saying, but what you say will and can have an effect on your life. You know, if you say negative stuff, you can expect negative results. But if you say positive things, you can expect positive results based on the Word of God. Amen? So we, it's the things we continually say. And this woman was continually saying, that just burns me up. Maybe you said that yourself. Something goes wrong. That just ticks me off. You know, that just, that just aggravates me to no end. And the more you keep saying that, you're going to stay ticked off or aggravated to no end, you know. So we need to change our way of talking and way of thinking. My question is this right here, like, well, like I said last week. Do you really want all the things you're saying in life? Do you really want all the things you're saying to come about in life? Think about what you say sometimes. Think about what you say out of anger, maybe out of just, you know, just joking around and stuff like that. But do you want these things to come about? I know one thing. I don't want all the things that, that uh, I say to come about. This message here has really been good for me, whether it's good for anybody else or not. But it's made me realize some things and, and look at some things and check out some things that I've been, you know, kind of neglecting and, and saying. If you don't want everything you're saying, if you don't like the way things are in life, then this change what we're saying. This change what we're thinking, change what we're saying. Let's line up with the Word of God. You know, last night we went to uh, the Beast Feast at the Civic Center where the fishermen and hunters get together. It's all men and boys. But it, it was a good time and everything. Philip and I were talking about this message here. I said, you know, when you hear a message or you do a message, you know, you have ample opportunity quickly to test it out. You know, to see if you're going to be serious about it, if you're just up here talking about it, or if you're just hearing it and going on. I mean, I don't know how many times this past week I had ample opportunity to say some things that I really didn't want to say. And I'd catch myself and I'd think, I'm not saying it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to go there. I'm just not going to do it because you got to thinking about it. If you, if you go there and you say something you shouldn't say, say something negative or say something that's going to be hurtful to somebody, you just compound the problem, don't you? I mean, you don't make it any better. Last night we went to this. Uh, we went to this thing. We got they all they go to eat in sections. And we were all sitting up there in the nosebleed section up there, but we all got up to go eat. But we left our we left our prizes that we had won in our by our seats, you know. And so we got down there and we're standing there in the line getting ready to go down the stairs so we could go eat. And we looked up there and this man and about ten kids went up there and got our seats. And we you know we got all of our stuff sitting there and everything. And I. I looked at my nephew, looked, looked at Philip, and I looked at my nephew. I said, you believe that? I said, we got our stuff sitting right there. I said, they know somebody's sitting there. I said, maybe I ought to go up there and get our stuff. So I went up there, and I walked up, 
and they were eating, and I said, uh, excuse me. He said, oh, did we get your seats? I said, well, kind of, yeah. I said, let me get my stuff out of there, and y'all can just have these seats. He goes, oh, no, no, no. He said, I got 10 kids with me. I just want to keep them all together. I said, that's fine. I said, uh, we'll just move down here, which there was plenty of room down below. But, you know, the thing of it is, a person could have said, hey, you know those are my seats, don't you? You could have handled it differently, and it would have probably come into something you didn't want it to happen right there. But, like I said, these messages here, you get ample opportunity to do them, put them to work, and put them to practice, right? So we have to, you know, like I said, you know, we come and hear these messages, but the, the real thing is when we get out of here, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to just hear it, let it go in one ear and out the other? Or are we going to hear it, let it go in our ear, and stop here in our mind and uh, cause us to do things the way God would want us to do and handle things the way he would want them handled? Amen? Handle them out of love, out of kindness. And so what if we lost our seats? There's plenty of seats down there. All we did was move down one row. We all still got to sit together. Wasn't that big a deal? If we don't like the way things are going in our life, the way things are, you know, happening, then maybe we need to check up from the neck up and see what we've been saying, what we've been confessing, and continually saying. Amen? This, uh, last week, you know, we, we uh, left off there with being snared, and uh, we were going to look at, at Abraham and Sarah. I'm not going to go there to the scripture for the sake of time, but the story is in Genesis 17, if you want to look at it and read it. You know, uh, Abraham's name was Abram, and Sarah's name was Sarai, if I'm saying it right. But, you know, they were, God promised them a child, and they, you know the story, they were well beyond childbearing years. I think Sarah was 90-some years old. Abraham, he was about 100 years old. You take somebody that's 90-something and 100-something, uh, there may not be much spark there, you know, for something like that to happen. I mean, just looking at the natural, you know. I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just, I'm just trying to explain to you, you know, looking at the natural side of things, there's probably not much spark there from somebody that's 90 and 100 years old. Things weren't happening for them like they wanted, you know, and even though uh, they tried to help God out, you know. Sarah, she said, told Abraham to go, go with her uh, maidservant, her and lay with her, and, and he did. I'm sure she twisted his arm to do it, you know. But uh, anyway, he did it. And then after he did it, she got mad at him, you know, said, you know, this is, this is what you did. But actually, she wanted him to do it. They were trying to help God out. Sometimes we, we try to help God out by doing things our way, and we just make things a bigger mess than what they already are. You know, I mean, if you look at, he was with Hagar, and had a son called Ishmael, and you look over in the Middle East, as a result of that, there's still all kind of problem and turmoil going on because of that, because that happened. You know, sometimes we think, yeah, we'll just help old God out and do things our way, and we end up making a bigger mess. So God changed their names. He changed Abram's name to Abraham. He changed Sarah, Sarai's name to Sarah. And Abraham's name meaning father of many nations, and Sarah's name meaning princess, and he also told her she would be a mother of many nations. Now... This is how you change situations right here. You change on what you're saying. Every time somebody called Abraham's name, they were saying, Father of many nations, Father of many nations, Father of many nations, everybody, servants. Sarah was even called him Father of many nations. And he changed her name to Sarah, which meant princess. And instead of Abraham saying whatever he was saying to her, whenever he said Sarah, he was calling her princess. Now, in your own relationship with your, with your wife, you know, your spouse or whatever, you know, as well as I do, that when you say things that are pleasant, like 
Say, for instance, you start calling your wife princess, you know, and, and sweet and honey and all that good stuff, you know. Um, it makes a difference, right? But you don't want to, <laughs> one thing you don't want to do is say, well, you know what? The Lord told me to call the things that be not as though they were. So, I, okay, honey, you know, you don't want to do that. <laughs> you want to, you want to, you know, I'm just saying that, you know. But that's what, that's what God did. He called the things that, that didn't exist as though they were. That's what he, when he told Abraham, you know, I'm a father, he's a father of many nations. He didn't have a son. You know, Sarah, she was, uh, she wasn't a mother of many nations because she didn't have, she didn't have a son. But by them continually saying what God said, it brought about the promise that God had. You know, in, in Genesis eighteen fourteen, it says, is anything too hard for the Lord? No, there's not. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Matter of fact, I want everybody to say that. There is nothing, nothing. too hard for the Lord. Amen. You know, God, like I said, God changed their names, and they were going around saying what God said instead of saying what the circumstances of the situation said. Let's go to uh, Romans 4. Let's go to Romans 4, 17, 21. Let's look there. But, you know, that, that's what we need to do sometimes. We need to change our way of thinking, our way of talking, and quit looking at the circumstances and quit looking at everything that's going around us because the more you look at that, the more it's going to influence you, and the more it influences you, the more you're going to think it, and the more you think it, the more you're going to say it. And the more you say it, the more it compounds the problem. Right? Romans 4, 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Okay? He was calling the things that be not as though they were. He was calling what he desired. He was calling what he wanted. If you look in the, in the beginning in Genesis, when God said, looked and seen darkness, he said, let there be light. He didn't look out there and say, woo-wee, it sure is dark out here. He called for what he wanted. He called for what he desired. He called for what he wanted the way things to be. And that's what Abraham, he told Abraham to do, to call the things that be not as though they were. Call those things that do not exist as though they did. Amen? Verse 18 says, who contrary to hope, and hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. According to what was spoken. You know, it said hope. I looked up the word hope. It says a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. You know, against hope, if you look at the natural side of things that Abraham did, I mean, looking at their bodies and the way things were in their ages, I mean, if you looked at that, there wasn't much hope there. But he looked at the things that God said. He looked at what God said. He, he began to say what God said. And, and when you start saying what God said, it changes your image, changes your way of seeing things. You know, he began to see things that, that could happen according to what God said. It said, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. He got to meditating on that and thinking on that. And then it increased his faith. And his, and his faith gave, gave uh, more hope to what he hoped for. Amen? I mean, he, he's had something to hold on to then. He began to speak what the word of God said and increased his faith. And he gave him something to hold on to, something to look forward to. It changed that image. And when we speak the word of God, it will change the image that we have in our head. It will change the things we see. I, there was one guy I heard the other day. They were, uh, him and a minister were looking at a big house, you know, real big house, nice house. And this one minister said, you know, I just don't think I can see myself ever living in a house like that. And this one minister said, don't worry about it. As long as you can't see it, you'll never be there. You know, in other words, he was saying, you know, I just can't imagine that. I can't see that. And as long as you can't imagine something, you can't see yourself doing it, then you probably won't ever do it. 
Verse 19, it says, And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. Okay, he was not being weak in faith, and the reason he wasn't weak in faith, he didn't consider the circumstances. He didn't look at the things that are. He was calling the things to be not as though they were. He was speaking in line with God's word. You know, he didn't, take, he didn't consider the circumstances. He didn't consider the situation. And that's what a lot of times we do in our own lives. We, we, we look at the circumstances. We look at the situation, and that's what we base everything on. Like, say you went to a doctor, and he gives you a bad report, or he tells you something that you don't want to hear. And you can start thinking about that stuff. And the more you think about it, you're going to start talking it. And it don't, it don't help any, any either when some, some of your friends or some of your family, you know, they, you start telling them about it. You know, that, I don't know why it is, but sometimes when we have bad news or something's going on or something's going bad, it seems like we always want to tell somebody, you know. And that, sometimes that's not the good thing to do. Sometimes we just need to keep quiet about it and go to the Lord in prayer and seek the Lord about situations like that. But when we start telling people, then they start agreeing with you. Yep, so-and-so's got this, so-and-so's got that. Yep, that's what the doctor said. You know, and, and they, they start agreeing with you. But the thing we need to do is when somebody comes to us with a problem like that is say, hey, you know, let's have, let's have prayer. Let's pray about this and start telling what the Word says and start changing their way of talking, their way of thinking, and, and do what God says. Don't, don't agree with them that everything's bad. Start telling them how good it can be based on the Word of God. Amen? Verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So he didn't waver at the promise. He wasn't going back and forth. Well, maybe this, maybe that. You know, some people, you've heard people say, well, you know, I just don't know if it's the will of God to heal you this time or not. Or I don't know if it's the will of God for you to prosper. Well, you can look in the Word and see it is. And that's all you have to do is read for yourself. We don't want to base our uh, faith on religious tradition or doctors of men. We want to go to the Word and see what the Word says. Because that's where it's at right there. You know, we don't want to just take somebody else's word for it. Well, you know, I don't know if uh, the Lord will heal you. I don't know if he'll prosper you this time. You know, because, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, the Lord, he works in mysterious ways. You just never know what he's going to do. And sometimes, you know, I've heard people, I just heard somebody say this the other day, and I wanted to say, what do you mean he works in mysterious ways? But I thought, nope, just keep my mouth shut. There's no sense in arguing about things like that or getting in disputes. But, but anyway, he didn't waver at the promise. He knew that the promise of God was good, and he knew it was true. He knew it was yes and amen, and he knew God could do what he promised to do. You know, he said he was uh, strengthened in faith. How do we get strengthened in faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. He was continuously saying what, the, what God said. Abraham, father of many nations. Abraham, father of many nations. And he got that image in him, and it's giving glory to God. How do we give glory to God? By speaking the word of God, by continually saying what the word of God says, not giving up, not wavering. Not saying, well, I don't know if it's going to work this time. No, you, you do what the Word says, and after you haven't done all, you stand. You stand on the Word. Stand on what you praise. Stand on what you said. And you expect God to move in your behalf. You don't give up. Amen? That's for any situation. I don't care if it's the smallest thing to the biggest thing. You do not give up. Amen? I, I'm serious. Do not give up. Don't quit. Stand on the Word and do what it says. Verse 21, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. He was fully convinced. One scripture, one translation says, fully persuaded. He was fully persuaded. Why was he fully persuaded? Because of the things he continually said, the things he continually thought based on the word of God, that after God changed his name and after he got to agreeing with what God said and agreeing with the word, then that image changed 
and that it grew strong in him, and he was strengthened in faith by confessing the word and speaking the word and giving glory to God by doing his word and speaking his word, that he became fully convinced. There was no turning back then. He was convinced that God could do what he said he would do. Amen? And that's what we need to be. We're, sometimes we talk about the problem so much, we talk about what the doctor said so much, and about the situation that we're fully convinced, but we're fully convinced on the other side that things may not change, that things may not turn out differently. We need to change our way of thinking. We need to change our way of talking. Like I said a while ago, sometimes we need a checkup from the neck up. We need to, I mean, seriously, we need to really realize and stop and think sometimes what we say and how we talk. And, you know, and, and the thing of it is, like I said a while ago, when somebody gets a bad report from a doctor or a bad report concerning something, we don't want to agree with them. We don't want to talk, well, the doctor said this, the doctor said that. They'll never be able to do this. They'll never be able to do that. Nope. Don't, don't agree with them that way. Say what the Word says about them, that they are the healed of the Lord. That, you know, that by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. Since we were healed, we are healed today. By his stripes, we are healed. You know, keep saying that. Keep confessing that. Keep talking it till it becomes a reality, till it becomes real inside, till it gets in here and starts to grow. And then you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you're fully convinced, you're fully persuaded that God's able to do what he said he would do. Amen? We need to change our vocabulary, vocabulary and scenery. We need to change our words so we can have a different image. You know, sometimes, like I said, when we're talking about the situation, saying what the doctor said or saying what the world says, then you start getting this image of doubt, this image of uh, that it's not going to get any better. But when you change your vocabulary, start talking what God said, then you can change the scenery, so to speak, in your mind. Once you start agreeing with what God said, then you can start seeing the promise. You can start seeing, hey, this, this works. Hey, this is real. You know, there's, this is not just something that we do for a pastime. This is a way of life, you know. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, his word, he sent his word and he healed me. He wants me to prosper. He wants me to do good. Everything I put my hand to do, I will prosper therein. You know, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You start talking these things, and then you start to see this image. And God's word, will, it'll, it'll create an image in you. You'll see yourself victorious. You'll see yourself doing what God says. You'll see yourself stepping out and fulfilling the call that God has for your life and the purpose and plan he has for you. You know, one thing about being healthy and being blessed is this right here. I was thinking about this the other day. I never really thought about it this way, but I was listening to somebody, and they were talking about this, and I got to thinking about it. I mean, God wants us to be healthy. And he wants us to prosper, and he wants us to have good things in life, just so we can enjoy life. I mean, you know, Jesus said, I came to give you life, and life more abundantly. But the, one of the reasons that he wants us to be healthy and have an abundant supply and have what we need and to do good in life is because then we can fulfill the plan and purpose that he has for us. We can fulfill the plan and purpose that he has, you know, that he wants us to do. And we can be a blessing to others. I mean, how many of you, if somebody came up to you that was a Christian, and they're just... Down and out, you know, barely walk. Jesus loves you. Look what he's done for me. I mean, you know, and they, I mean, and they're sick and everything. I mean, you don't want none of that, do you? I wouldn't. But when somebody comes up to you and they're full of life and they're full of the word of God and you can see the love of God in them and they come up to you and say, man, look what God's done for me. Man, I'm healthy. I'm wealthy and I'm wise, you know. And, and God has these things for you too. And, and maybe the situation you're in is not, doesn't line up with the word. But you hear somebody talk about that. And you see the love, the love of God. You see the life of Jesus coming through them. And you know their words are good and they're true. And they're, they believe what they say. And they're sincere about it. And that, that's when we make a difference in people's lives. Amen.
That's where we make a difference. When we take the word and put it to work in our life, and we, we work it like it's supposed to be worked. Amen? Amen. Charles Capps, was talking about him last week, you know, about calling the things to be not as though they were. You know, you, you've heard him, most of you have. He talks a lot on words. One illustration he gives is, you know, calling the dog, calling things that be not as though they were. You don't call things that are. You know, he's going, here, pooch, here, pooch, here, pooch, because he wants the dog to come to him. Well, somebody may walk up and say, what are you calling the pooch for? Pooch's not here. Cat's here. You know, but, and you might say, well, I'm tired of the cat being here. I want the pooch to come run the cat off. So I'm calling the pooch, you know. So that's where we are with the Word of God. The circumstances, the situations we're, we're going through, I mean, it's right here. We want to call what God has. We want to call those that healing, that prosperity, that goodness, you know, that emotional stability and all the things that God has for us. We want to call it in. We'll run all this other stuff off because we're tired of that. We're tired of putting up with the cat. So we want the pooch to come on in and run that cat off so we can have better things. Amen? Yeah, I know. Claire's looking at me like, what? <laughs> but anyway, uh, so we just, you know, we need to line up with the Word of God. He tells us to call the things that be not as though they were. We don't have to accept things that the world says. We don't have to accept things that the doctor says. We don't have to accept things that the economy says. Because God's got his own set of rules. And it's all right here. And it's all for us. You know, it's uh, instructions for everyday life. That's what I like to call it. You know, you can look in here and, and find anything you want to that pertains to everyday life. The little things, the big things. And you can find scripture to cover your case. And stand on the word of God and see a difference and see things change in your life. You know, like, like I, I don't know why I keep going back to the doctor, but... You go to the doctor and he tells you something you don't want to hear. Or he tells you, you'll never be able to do this anymore. You'll never be able to do that because of the situation that happened, the circumstances that came up. And it's up to you whether you want to decide to accept it or not. I mean, you can just go along with what he says. Or you can get into the word and see what the word says about it. And you can stand on the word and see a difference come back in your life. I know one time I went to a chiropractor. And I used to go every now and then just get a little tune-up on my back. You know, it makes it feel better, you know, especially when it's got a little pressure, a little pain in it. But I went one time. I asked him about, I had some pain in my hands. Some, my fingers were kind of stiff and hurting. I even had one that he called it a trigger finger. And I said, what has that got to do with it? I said, something I'm doing too much constantly or something. He goes, you want the truth? I said, well, I don't know, maybe. I said, what is the truth? He goes, how old are you? I thought, oh, here we go. So I was 50-something. And I, he goes, probably arthritis. I said, what? He said, yeah. I said, you know what? I said, I don't think I'm going to accept that. He goes, what do you mean you're not going to accept it? I said, I'm just not going to accept it. I don't have to accept it. Anyway, I didn't go back to him for a while just because of that, but I did start going back to him sometime. But, but I thought, you know, I don't have to put up with that. I don't care how old I am. You don't have to put up with it because there's nothing in the Word that says that when you get a certain age, you have to succumb to to sickness or illness or anything like that. There's nothing in there that says that. You know, Moses, the word says Moses was 120 years old. You know, his eyes weren't dim and his natural forces weren't abated, meaning he could still do the things he wanted to do. That's what we ought to be too. Somebody tells you because of your age, you can't do something or you need to quit doing something. You don't have to. Caleb was 80 years old and said, give me my mountain, you know. So, but there's always hope in the word of God. There's always that stuff in the Word that we can rely on and we can put to work in our life that will change these situations. I don't care how old you are. I don't care where you're at. I don't care if you've never done this before. 
If you'll start today with what I'm, we're talking about here, it will make a difference in your life. It'll change some things in your life. Think about some things you want changed. Think about some things you want done differently. Maybe God's wanting you to do something. And you say, man, I just, I just don't know if I can do that or not. You know, he didn't give us a spirit of fear without a power, love, and a sound mind. I guarantee you, if you'll, if you'll take the word, you'll apply it, and you'll put yourself available to God and step out there and do what he asks you to do, then when you step out, he'll be there for you. He won't let you down. He's, his word said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And that's not only in the good times, that's in the bad times. I know one time at work, a while back, when I used to work as a potter, I got a little irritated one day at work. A lot of us guys used to go around, we'd all wear hats, we'd walk around knocking each other's hats off, you know, like that right there. And I was hiding from this one guy one time behind some boxes, and he seen me. Anyway, when, I, when he came by, he hit them boxes. Man, knocked my hat off, knocked my glasses off. I like to knock me down. I got, I got a little irritated. I said and did some things that I shouldn't have said. And, man, I felt terrible about it. I said, oh, God. And, and all, a lot of us guys out there that are Christians, if somebody did something wrong, we'd say, oh, yeah, look at you, Mr. Super Christian there. Yeah, you kind of blew it today, didn't you? And there was this one particular guy that I knew he was going to say something to me. I knew he was, but he never did. It walked on there for another day or two. He never said a word to me, and then it got to bother me. How come he didn't say something? You know, he, this is a guy that he never misses an opportunity to, to gig somebody. So I went up to him, and I said, hey, I said, you heard about what I did back there? Oh, yeah, I heard about it. He said, uh, I said, how come you didn't say nothing? So you're always gigging us about something. So why did you miss this opportunity? He goes, you may tell you why? I said, yeah. He said, because the Lord told me not to say anything to you. And I just looked at him, you know, and I walked off. And um, as I walked off, the Spirit of God told me inside, he goes, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I mean, it, all, it brought tears to my eyes. I, I was so overwhelmed by what God told me. And that's in a bad situation. So you know if he's going to be with you in a bad situation, he's sure enough, you know, going to take care of you in good situations. Amen? Another thing is when things get better, you know, when we, when we start lining up with the Word of God and things get better, then that's no time to quit when things get better or start being good. A lot of us, we take when things get better, they start improving, we kind of think we can take a little vacation. Oh, I don't need to keep confessing that. I don't need to keep saying that. But this is my point here. I was thinking about this the other day also. You take uh, in a situation in life, and it starts getting better, and things get changing. It can always be room for improvement, right? Even in your relationships. If things are going good, you can always make them better. So why not, when things get better, when things are going good, keep confessing the word, keep standing on the word, keep saying what God says, just build it up even stronger in you. It's kind of like a savings account. You know, once you get a certain amount of money in there, that don't mean you have to stop. You can keep adding to it, keep putting it in there because there's going to come a time where you're going to need it. And the same way with the Word of God, if things get better, just keep applying it, keep putting it in there, keep building it up because I promise you that there'll, there'll come a time when you're going to need to tap into it and you need that reserve there and it's there. Don't wait till something happens. Don't wait till the situation gets bad or something gets really bad because then it makes it, Twice as hard because then you've got to deal with the situation. You've got to deal with the circumstances and all the stuff going on. Plus, get into the Word and see what the Word says. So the best time to do it is uh, when it's good. Amen? Amen. I've got, a, I want something, I've got something here I want to share. I've got a little book here. It's on healing. There was a woman, this one of Hagen's books. There was a woman in there named Lillian Yeoman. Anyway, she was a well-known doctor. I think it was New York is where she was at. Dr. Lillian Yeoman. She was a doctor who practiced medicine and, and surgery in New York a long time ago. And uh, 
as she was practicing this medicine and the surgery, she got to taking small amounts of dope that would steady her nerves and cause her to get, you know, good sleep from being under the stress and everything of doing surgery. Well, she eventually became so dependent on drugs, especially morphine, that she became an addict. And she took 50 times the normal dose of morphine that anybody should take that was normally prescribed for an adult, plus other drugs she was taking. Although Dr. Yeomans, you know, she took all the cures for that day that could try to help her. It didn't help her any. You know, she tried to stop taking the drugs, and uh, she grew worse. One nurse described her as a skeleton with a devil inside. Her friends considered her case hopeless. Well, she'd been saved as a young woman, but she'd backslidden from God. She got away from God. But she did have enough sense to know that when she found herself in a hopeless situation, to turn to God and go back to God. So she found herself at death's door. She immersed herself in her long neglected Bible, got back into fellowship with God, and was healed in 1898 of the drug habit that almost claimed her life. Well, after she received her healing, she started preaching the gospel. She preached for 40-some years. And when she and her sister inherited some property, they turned it into a faith home, taking people beyond medical help who were seeking healing for their bodies. And they got, they got nearly all the people healed by working with them until they got enough faith built up in their hearts to receive healing from God. Now, one of her books, she, uh, she had a woman that came there that had tuberculosis. And the doctors had given up on her. She was beyond medical help. And when the ambulance brought the woman in, she knew, Dr. Yeoman knew that this woman was dying. And had she been still practicing medicine, she would have administered uh, strong drugs to her just to, you know, for pain and what was coming against her. Well, instead, the woman, she was carried to an upstairs room, and Dr. Yeomans began reading the Bible to her. She spent about two hours reading scriptures concerning divine healing, especially from Deuteronomy 28 and Galatians 3.13. Now, Deuteronomy 28 talks about the curses. And we know that according to the Word of God, in Galatians 3.13, that we have been redeemed from the curse of the law, which is poverty, sickness, and a second death. So she had her to read about the curses, and consumption was one of the curses, which is tuberculosis. And also in those curses, there's a lot of things named. And it also says, and anything... If I'm quoting it right, anything not named, any disease or sickness that is about today that's not named in there is also considered under the curse. So what she did was she had her uh, read according to Deuteronomy 28:22, consumption of tuberculosis is the curse of the law. But according to Galatians 3:13, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Therefore, I no longer have tuberculosis because she's been redeemed from the curse. So the next morning, Dr. Yeoman said, asked the woman if she had been repeating what she was instructed to repeat. And she said, yep, seemed like I did it about 10,000 times, but I still don't understand what it meant. Well, Dr. Yeoman's read more scripture to her and asked her to continue repeating the same words. You know, uh, consumption is a curse of the law, but according to Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, therefore I no longer have tuberculosis. The next day, the story was the same. Third morning, Woman still, she still didn't understand what she was saying. She still didn't, you know, comprehend what she was saying. And, uh, you know, Dr. Yeomans had had her there for a few days, but she hadn't even prayed for her. 
And the reason she said she hadn't prayed for her because she said sometimes, well, this is what Hagen put in there, sometimes he thinks we pray for people too quickly because we may pray for them, and, you know, even if it's a anointing from somebody that prays and they get healed, that if they don't know the word, and if they don't have faith in the word, and they don't understand the word, that once you get prayed for them, even though they might have received their healing when you prayed for them, once they leave and the symptoms come back, then they're going to say something like, I thought I, thought I got healed while the symptoms coming back. They don't understand that, that, something, that you have to continue on the word to keep confessing the word and speaking the word and standing on the word. Even when the uh, situation the circumstances come back or the symptoms come back, you still have to say the word and speak to it, you know? I mean, the word works if we work it. But anyway, he goes on, we should instruct them first more in the word. Now, on the afternoon of the third day, Dr. Yeomans and her sister were helping prepare the evening meal when they heard a commotion upstairs. Their new patient came rushing down the stairs, shouting at the top of her voice, Sister Yeoman, did you know? Okay, she finally got a hold of it. Did you know? Christ has redeemed me, and I, longer have tuber- I no longer have tuberculosis. It's gone. Amen? I mean, just by her confessing the word and speaking the word and standing on the word, just that short time there, but she did it continually. And she got it in her heart. And once she got it in her heart, and it made a difference that she was healed of tuberculosis. You see, Dr. Yeoman, she realized that the way to the heart is through the mind. She knew if the woman would say to herself, often enough, according to you know, the curse, the consumption is a curse of law, but she'd been redeemed from the curse of law. She knew she said that enough that uh, it would eventually register on her heart. And once it did that, then the changes began to take place. Amen? And that's, you know, that's what, that's what we need to do. I, I don't care what the situation says, the circumstances, and we all have to deal with it sometimes. You know, maybe some of us are dealing with it now. But, I, you know, I encourage you, Get in the Word and see what the Word says. And start confessing the Word over these situations, over these circumstances. You know, like Abraham, nothing changed in his life until he started saying what God said. And still he started agreeing with what the Word said. And still he started confessing what God said. And once he did that, things started turning around. And it's the same way with us. You know, and and it'll work in any area of life. It'll work in any area of life. You know, Proverbs, uh, I'm going to go there I didn't have Cindy put it up there, but Proverbs 35, 27, and 28. Or no, it's actually Psalms. Psalms 35, 27, and 28. It says, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of a servant. And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all day long. There's that word continually. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all day long. When we start saying continually what God says, and I know you can't say it every, every minute of the day and everything, but when you have ample opportunity throughout the day, start confessing what the word says. Say continually what the word says over your situation, over circumstances. Like I said, even if everything's going good, Keep saying it. Keep building it up. And let your tongue speak of his righteousness. And then praise him all day long. You know, worship him and praise him. You know, just pray in the spirit sometimes. You know, just sometimes like out in the field out there sometimes. I'm out there and I'll just stop and just start praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. I thank you for all that you do. For being so good to me. Thank you for the love you show me. For the 
for the mercy that you show me, for the grace that you give me, for my health, for my healing, that you give me life and life more abundantly. I mean, you can do that on, on your own time. You can just get out there. You don't have to be here at church. You don't have to have somebody singing praises to get you started up. You can stir yourself up at home by doing what the Word says and agreeing with what God says and acting on the Word. And I promise you, when you do, it will make a difference in your life and it will make a difference in your, cir- in your circumstances and situations that you're going through. I'm not up here just telling you this, just to be flapping my jaws. This is serious stuff. But I, I encourage you to take this stuff to heart and put it to work in your life and do it. You know, don't just, don't just come here and hear about it. Don't just talk about it after you leave. But get in the Word see what it says. And I promise you, once you get in the Word and start studying the Word on words or anything for, like that or what God has for you, He'll open up your eyes and you'll start seeing some things you didn't see before. He'll give you revelation knowledge. He, you know, he'll increase your knowledge, and you'll think, man, I've I never seen it this way before. I didn't know that. And then you can start putting that to work in your life. And not only will it affect your life, but it'll affect those around you. You know, one of the things that I do want to say here is that, if, like I said before, if somebody's going through a situation, you know, and they start talking about it. You know, the Word says to take no thought saying. Uh, I think the New King James says, it's in Matthew 6.31, I believe it is. It says, do not worry, saying. But I think the NIV says, take no thought, saying. And sometimes we get these thoughts, like especially when the doctor tells you something or, or something bad comes up, and these thoughts come into our head, you know, you'll never get over it this time. You'll never get out of this. But the Word says to take no thought, saying. In other words, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, don't say it. You know, the Word also says, I think it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4, it says, to cast down thoughts and imaginations that try to exalt himself against the knowledge of God, which is the word of God, and bring all those thoughts into captivity to the subjection of Jesus, which is the word. So when you have a thought that comes to you, you know, think about what it is. Does it line up with the word? Is it from the enemy? Does it not line up with the word? And if it does not line up with the word, then don't say it. Even though sometimes, man, you just want to spit it out there. You know, like I said a while ago, sometimes we go through stuff or something comes up, we want to run and tell somebody, well, this happened, well, that happened. Or you walk up to somebody and they, you say, how are you doing today? Well, I never thought you'd ask, let me tell you. And they go on, you know, list thing after thing after thing, and you think, man, I wish I hadn't asked. But, you know, that's just how it is sometimes. But, but we need to, and maybe some of us do the same thing, but we need to learn to change it and go in line with the Word of God and speak what God says and, and agree with what He says. And these thoughts that don't, that don't line up with the word, throw them out, cast them out, don't say them. And another thing is, when somebody is going through something, we need to be in agreement with them that the word of God is working in their life. We don't need to be agreeing with what the doctor said. We don't need to go around saying, well, they'll never be able to do this because the doctor said it. Well, you know, that doctor, he, he did say that. And he's basing his opinion on medical science, I guess, or or medical knowledge, but the word is truth. It's the ultimate truth. Amen? It's above that. You know, the name of Jesus is above all these things. And we have that name to use. But most of us don't use it. We just go along around, around saying what the doctor said, what the economy says. You know, we'll never be able to have this. We can't afford that. Can't do this. When uh, it ought not be that way, especially with Christians. I mean, that's who we're talking to today, Christians. It ought to be better. We ought to have better in our lives. We ought to be a better example to the world out there. 
And we can do it if we'll just do what the Word says and agree with what the Word says and call the things that be not as though they were. Call the things we desire into existence. Don't just keep saying what you've, always got, what you've already got. I mean, what you've already got may be good, but it can always be better. Amen? John 16, 13. John 16, 13, you know, when we start speaking according to what God says and start lining up with His Word, then John 16, 13 says, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. Now, how many of you want to know some things to come? I mean, especially when it comes to, like, maybe something financially or a good deal or something like that somewhere. You can get the inside scoop ahead of everybody else. You know, God will do that for us. He'll show us things to come. He'll keep us out of, he'll keep us out of harm's way and keep us safe. But what we have to do is we have to speak in line with his word and agree with his word in order for these things to come about. Because if you're not speaking in line with his word and agreeing with his word and getting your heart tuned into what the word of God says, then you can't expect him to guide you by your spirit because you're not putting good things or the right thing in your spirit to be led by the spirit of God. Amen? You know, it says the Holy Spirit... That he'll guide you into all truth. He won't, you know, he will not speak on his own authority, but only what he hears. And he'll show us things to come. You know, like saying right place, right time. You know, that's what we confess. We're always at the right place at the right time where we need to be. Amen? And when you say that, then you ought to expect to be at the right place at the right time. And when the Spirit of God kind of gives you a little nudge here or just a little check in your spirit, sometimes you need to check that out. Well, is he trying to tell me not to go there? Is he trying to tell me to go there? Or what? You know, you need to check it out and see what he's trying to tell you but, and follow accordingly. We've got a few cows, and I always confess that, uh, you know, those cows are multiplying daily in the name. I go out there and speak to them. You know, I call them blessed, healthy, disease-free. I tell them they're multiplying daily in the name of Jesus, that those cows, they produce good calves. You know, and the calves that we take to market, they'll always bring top dollar. The calves we decide to keep for heifers, that they raise good calves. And I always confess that the Lord, you know, he provides me with all the materials necessary to run a successful cow-calf operation. The land, the feed, the hay, and everything that I need, I thank the Lord for, for providing it for me. So, and I, and I expect him to do that. I mean, I'm not just out there saying it. I expect those things to come about. But sometimes, you know, the old enemy, he wants to get involved. And certain things happen. Maybe something happens to a cow or something. But, you know, that don't, change, that don't change the word of God. But the old enemy would like, to, like for you to say when something happens, well, you know, I thought everything was going good, and I guess now it's not. You know, like something happened to that cow and everything. But what you need to do is just keep confessing the word, and when something happens to a cow or something, you need to say, well, you know what? I know who the thief is. It's Satan. And once the thief is found out, he's got to give me seven times back over what he took. So that means I've got seven more cows coming back, you know, or, or that, that amount of money, whatever they're worth at the market, seven times that amount. And that's what I expect. But the other day I was down, yesterday, as a matter of fact, I was down at Oktahaw, and I had to go to the post office and mail something. And there's a guy down there that he gets these fence posts from where he works at, and he sells them for $2 a piece. And they're good fence posts. I know you go buy a T-post, you know, at the store, they run about 3 to $4, depending on where you get them at. But anyway, he, he gets these things, and he, and he has them, and he sells them for $2 a piece. Well, I asked him a while back if he had some, and he, he sold them all. So yesterday, I was going down the road, and I seen him out there working on a car, and I went on by, but on the inside, it's like something said, 
stop, go back and ask him. So I stopped, I backed up. I said, hey, you got any more of them posts? He goes, yeah, matter of fact, I got about 20 of them. I may have more than that. I said, you want to sell them? He goes, yeah. I said, how much? He goes, what I always get, $2 a piece. I said, I'll take them all. I said, I can't get them today, but I said, I'll get them all. I said, I'll come back next Saturday and get them. I said, if you got any more, if you get any more from work, just add to them and I'll take everything you got. Okay. Well, I got to thinking about, you know, I confess that the Lord provides all that I need for that, you know, successful cow-calf operation. And uh, he knew he had the post. I didn't know it, but he knew. And he, and he spoke to me and back up, asked him about it. And I, was, I listened. Now, I could have not listened. I could have said, I could have thought, well, I'm in a hurry. I need to go. And I would have missed out. But we need to learn to listen when God tells us to do something. And it didn't take no time. I just backed up a little bit, a couple of houses down. He was out there. I asked him about it, and, and it all worked out. And I got the fence post, and, you know, it worked out for me. But we need to listen, and we need to act on it in order for it to come about in our lives. That's why some of, some of us think, well, I don't know if that don't happen. Well, you don't, you don't listen. And when you, when you do hear something from God, or when he does tell you something, you don't act on it. You're too busy. You're in too big a hurry. I got to go do this. Got to go do that. Got to do this. Got to do that. And you, and you miss out a lot because we get in too big a hurry to take time to listen to what the Spirit of God is telling us. Um, I was, uh, a few years back, I was hunting. And it, one Saturday morning I had went, and uh, I seen three different bucks down where I was hunting at. So I thought, well, I'll go back Saturday evening. Well, when I went in to hunt, it's, it's like I was going to go back to the same spot where I had seen the bucks. I thought, I'm going to go in there. And so when I went in there, it's like something on the inside told me to go somewhere else. But I didn't do it. I thought, well, I want to go over there for I've seen, seen the bucks down here this morning. I'm going back down here. I went down there and hunted until dark. And uh, I had this, I was going to bring it this morning, I forgot. I had this rattling bag. And what it is, is this little plastic things inside. And at that certain time of the year, when the, when the uh, does start to come in heat and the bucks start rutting, the bucks get a little frisky and they start fighting one another hitting their antlers together, you know, and it makes a little <laughs> sound, you know. And you, you take that bag and you rub it together, and it mimics two bucks fighting. If there's a buck in there, a lot of times they'll come over there. So I had that down there, and I was using it on that creek, and it was real quiet that day, wouldn't know when. I know it echoed up and down that creek. Well, I started to come out of hunting, and uh, there's a guy that lives up on the hill there, and I guess he was waiting for me to come out. As soon as I got my truck started to the gate, he got in his truck, he drove down there. And he parked right in front of the gate. So I wonder what he wants. I went down there, and I started to get out. I got out, and I opened the gate up. And he goes, you the one down there hunting? I said, yes, sir. He said, you know, me and my boys over there by hunting. And he goes, you're right on that fence. I said, no. I'm about 200 yards away from the fence. He goes, you down there rattling? I said, yep. He said, you not understand what I'm trying to tell you. He said, that's the only place we have to hunt, that little patch of woods there. So you need to move on down the creek some. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I just looked at him. And I should not have entertained it, but I did. You know, I, I said, I had a few things I said. I didn't, man, I didn't cuss or nothing like that. But I, I told him, you know, I said, look, I'm not on your property. I'm not interfering with your hunt. I'm on somebody else's land. I'm, I'm 200 yards from the fence. I said, it was loud down there, no wind. That's why you heard me so good. He goes, you still don't understand what I'm telling you. Where, that's the only place we got to hunt. I said, I understand that. I said, and I'm not trying to argue with you. Well, then he got a little irritated, and uh, he started cussing. And I told him, I said, look, there's no need for that. I said, you don't, don't sit here and cuss. 
Well, he said, I'm not cussing you. I said, I don't care. It's the same difference to me. You're cussing, you're getting mad. I said, there's no sense getting mad. I said, you know, I'm not on your property. I'm not interfering with your hunt. I'm not trying to be hateful or irritable. But I said, I need to go, so you need to move your truck so I can get out of here. Well, he moved, and I got out. But, but after it happened, I got to thinking about it. And the more I thought about it, the matter I got. You know, and I mean, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to say more of what I did, but I didn't. And, and it, it bothered me for a few days. I mean, every time I thought about it, boy, I'd just get mad all over again. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about. We've all been there. I got irritated and mad. But I got to thinking, you know, the Spirit of God told me not to go over there. He told me to go somewhere else. But he knew that guy and that boy was down there. And he probably knew what, he knew what was going to happen if I went down there. That's why he was trying to lead me away from it. But in my own reasoning out and thinking about what I wanted to do, instead of what the Lord told me to do, I went down there and I was in the wrong spot at the, I guess, the right time. <laughs> but anyway, I got to think about that. I thought, you know, if I just listened, none of that would have transpired. None of it would have happened. And I said, I might even got a deer down where he told me to go. Nothing happened down there. But, you know, I got to thinking about that, and I got mad about it, and I got irritated. And I, I had to go into the Word. It's Philippians, I think, 4 and 8, where it tells us, tells us what to meditate on. You know, those things that are pure, lovely, praiseworthy, good report. And I had to start meditating on the Word, and I had to, you know, Lord, I forgive him. Lord, I forgive him. Lord, I forgive him. I was calling those things to be honest, though they were. I forgive him, Lord. I forgive him, Lord. And I, and I got over it. You know, and I, I see him today, and I, there's no animosity there. I don't, I don't think about it. I'm not irritated at him or irritable toward him because of what he did. I, and I, and, but the thing of it is, I could have avoided all that if I just listened in the first place. But I didn't. I've got one more illustration, and I'm going to close her down here in just a minute. You know, about that, a little bit after that, it was, uh, it was Halloween, and I'd been over at my buddy's house uh, helping him clean his garage out, and we got done late, and it was dark when I came home. And as I turned on my road, it's like I heard, they're out tonight. It was right around Halloween, and, I'm, and I knew what the Lord was telling me. He was telling me that the sheriff, Highway Road, they were out tonight because it was Halloween, and the people about doing stuff and everything. He said, they're out. I said, Okay. So I drove the speed limit down my road. Usually I go, I go a little faster, but uh, I drove the speed limit, and I got down the road a little bit, and sure enough, there they were. They were sitting there, and uh, they had somebody stopped, and I went on by, and that, after I got by a little bit, I looked in my rearview mirror, and they were coming back after me. And I seen this light come on, I thought, I, I know I wasn't speeding. What's the deal here? And uh, he got out, he goes, I said, uh, one, of them, one time, a highway patrolman told me, because I always ask, what do you stop me for, you know? And one highway patrolman told me, he said, that's a good way for us to give you a ticket when you ask, what are you stopping us for? So I, you know, I thought, well, I'm going to be, you know, polite about it. I said, uh, sir, what do you stop me for if you don't mind me asking? He goes, all right, you got a tail light out. He said, I need to see your license and your uh, insurance. So I did. Well, I, at the, that time, another car came up, and another uh, policeman got out. I seen him standing back there looking at something on my car. And I thought, what's he looking at, you know? And he walks up there and he goes, what do you got that radio in the back of your truck for? I said, radio? He said, yeah, that handheld. I said, oh. I said, uh, I work for the railroad. He goes, oh, okay. He said, you know your tag's out, don't you? I said, well, 
I said, you know what? As a matter it's funny you say that. I do have that at home. But I said, this is October 31st. I said, it doesn't expire till midnight tonight. And he goes, you know what? You're right. <laughs> but anyway, um, what I'm, you know, what I'm getting at here is, is by confessing the word, by talking in agreement with the word, and doing what the word says, that God's able to guide us in the areas of life. And, you know, you say, these ain't really big things, but they can be. You know, they can turn out to be big things. If I'd have got a ticket or, you know, went speeding down through there and they stopped me, I'd have got a ticket. Now, I wouldn't have been pleased with that. But that's when I would have said, give me mercy, not justice, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, when, we, when we listen to what the Spirit of God is telling us, when we line ourselves up with the Word and start talking what the Word says and watching what we say, then, then the Lord can begin to guide us in life and lead us into areas of life that we want to go into. Amen? I'm going to close here, but I, I do have uh, one, a couple of more things I do want to say. This is, the Lord gave me this uh, the last time I did this message, and I just wrote it down again. You know, words are something that we take for granted. However, they were used to create this planet. God's Word created all that we see, and that same ability is within you and me. So be aware of the words you say, because they will produce for you someday. Amen? If you would just stand, i got a little confession here. We'll say, we'll talk about words. We're going to give you an opportunity to, to say what the Word of God says. Amen? You just repeat after me. I am of God. I am a child of God. I have overcome them because he who is in me, which is Jesus, is greater than he who is in the world, which is Satan. I am the healed of the Lord, and no weapon formed against me shall prosper. One thousand may fall by my side, ten thousand by my right hand, but it shall not come near me. And there shall be no evil, neither any plague, to come near my dwelling. And I have life, I have it more abundantly, and I am healthy, I am wealthy, and I am wise. In Jesus' name, amen.